mindfulness mode. You can't see emotions, but they're very, very real. And so your energy system is very real. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here in Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Hey, Mindful Tribe. Not too long ago, I just finished reading a terrific book. And this book is just packed with content about how to thrive, how to survive. It's a fantastic book because, well, listen to the title, Feel Better in Five Minutes. Here's the book right here. Amanda was kind enough to have this book sent to me, so I really appreciate getting a hard copy. And let me tell you the subtitle, An Empowering Guide to Gain Control Over Your Emotions. And when you really think about it, you know, our emotions are everything. Our emotions have so much to do with how we feel, how we live, what happens in our lives. My guest today is Amanda Hainline. Amanda, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am. I am super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. And I'm excited to have you too. And Amanda, I just want to share a little bit about you with our audience, with Mindful Tribe. Amanda Hainline is an emotional freedom mentor. She's an intuitive healer. And I always love talking to healers. She's author of this book that I just told you about, Feel Better in Five Minutes. And in this book, she shares, now get this, 79 emotional freedom methods to help others gain freedom from anxiety, depression, stress, all of this, all of this emotion that is just, well, everywhere with the pandemic. And even before that, I mean, emotion is something that we sometimes don't have a very good grip on i think uh 15 years ago amanda well something happened to amanda and we're just going to talk about this on the show today but first amanda what does mindfulness mean to you Mindfulness to me um, isn't just one thing i think it depends on who the person is um kind of what application mindfulness takes for them. So for me, it's really awareness of your body. It's awareness of your emotional state. It's awareness that you're being present inside of yourself and you're not projecting yourself too far into the future or too far into the past and really being with where you are. And that helps with contentment and it helps with focus and calm and all of those things. But there's there's a lot of elements in my mind to that goes into mindfulness, being grounded, being centered, you know, and and being grateful for where you are in your life right that moment. And it really does help with um, with just functioning in everyday life. Wow, you and I are on the same wavelength. And I knew that from reading the book anyway. <laughs> but wow, yeah, what a great way to package the word mindfulness. I really appreciate that. And well, 15 years ago, I was about to say something about this in the, uh, in the bio that I was sharing. But why don't you tell us what happened to you 15 years ago, Amanda? So 15 years ago, I was um, just a regular mom that had two little kids. They were about two and five at the time. And I was super stressed out. I was depressed. I felt like my life was just a groundhog day, you know, no purpose in a super tough marriage. 
And um, I had a friend that recommended, well, why don't you go to an energy healer? And I said, well, I don't really know what that is. And she said, oh, she'll tap on your body and tell you stuff about yourself. It's kind of like a psychic reading, but then she releases like stuck energy. And I'm like, okay, sure. Uh, so I said, I'll try anything at this point. I tried all kinds of vitamins and, you know, short of going on medication, I tried pretty much everything else. So I went uh, to one session and I felt so much better. I, my anxiety eased. I was laughing. I was smiling more. I thought, wow, maybe this is the answer to help me, you know? And, um, and usually that's what energy work does is it just moves that energy through. It's, it's a very, um, powerful, um, powerful modality. There's all kinds of different, different modalities for that. And I like to preface that before I tell my story, because my story is a little um, out of the ordinary. But um, the second session I went to, uh, I was expecting kind of the same result. And that is not what I got at all. Um, the healer said, well, all of your chakras want to open at once. And I, I was like, well, what is a chakra? I don't, I don't even know what that is. She said, well, it's just energy centers that run down the middle of your body. She just kind of briefly said that. And um, I said, well, that's fine. You know, what, whatever, whatever it takes. And she started tapping on my head and my heart because that's part of the, the modality that she used. And I was laying there on this on this bed uh, massage table and all of a sudden this wave of terror washes over me and i start screaming and feel like i was burning from the inside out sweating and my body was very tense like i was being electrocuted and it felt like it lasted forever but it was about 30 seconds and then i collapsed onto the table and felt like i'd been hit over the head very disoriented and she said well just go outside walk around in the grass and go home I said, well, okay, I'll do that. So I went home um, after I walked in the grass, went to bed, woke up the next morning, felt extremely heavy, crying, couldn't get a grip on myself, kind of put myself on autopilot, got my kids to school, came home, went back to bed and um, woke up, didn't feel any different, um, went and got my kids from school. But as I was approaching the school, I started feeling all of this emotion, all of this energy around me. I didn't know what was going on at the time. Um, I thought I was kind of going crazy. I was hearing, started hearing voices and little garbled things inside my head. I was feeling all of this energy and, and um, got my kids, got in the car. And I was, I was feeling really scared, actually. Um, went back the next day. They said, well, your, your chakras are going to balance and close and then you'll be fine. And that's not what happened. <laughs> at all. Um, I started hearing more voices, uh, seeing things. I was being attacked during the night by these kind of invisible forces, having nightmares. Um, and then I started having PTSD episodes of all of this trauma that I had had over my lifetime. It was like nothing was there to hold it down anymore because all of my, my energy system had opened. So all these emotions and, and visions, and I was having flashbacks were just kind of uncontrollably coming forth. And it was, it was a very scary time. I, I didn't have a good, good grip on my reality at all. And we were going through a, a tremendous house remodel and I was expected to contribute to that. And I just wanted to go in the closet and hide, you know, and um, that, that wasn't always an option. So um, after about six months of going back to healers, trying to understand what had happened to me and a lot of the healers had no answers, but um, I kind of had gotten a grip on it and I was doing my laundry one day and um, I felt something behind me and I 
come become accustomed to um, like spirit guides and angels and things like that being in my house and coming to talk to me. And uh, I turned around and there was these three giant angels standing in front of my kitchen island. And I said, what do you want? <laughs> you know, I was like, what now? You know, can I just do my laundry? Leave me alone. <laughs> and they said, one of them stepped forward and pointed and said, well, we're going to teach you how to heal people. And I just started laughing. And I said, that's crazy. There's no way anyone's going to believe that. Uh, you taught me anything and that's just nuts. And my life is a disaster and I couldn't help anyone. I can barely help myself. And they, I got argued with and said, no, no, this is, this is for you. I'm like, you've got the wrong address. You know, I tried everything and they wouldn't listen. So, um, so they started to teach me how to work with energy and, and how to, how to start working with people's energy systems to help them heal. People started showing up in my life, sort of crossing paths with people that needed help. And, and I was just, you know, trained on the job basically uh, by them to, to do this work. And so when did you start getting clients? Did you have a, a client right away, somebody that you helped? I did. I had a client very soon. I was actually, I went um, with another mom to, uh, to Chick-fil-A and we were sitting there and she was talking about her relationship with her mother and how difficult it was and how her mother, um, you know, she would try to reach out to her mother and her mother was very cold and standoffish and kind of this, it was like a generational traumatic abandonment that was running in her family. Mm -hmm. And so we talked about it and then I started getting messages. Um, I was kind of seeing little bits and pieces of her life and her mother's life and understanding the dynamic and um, not thinking I started saying little things to her like, oh, well, your mom feels this in this way. And well, it was because of your grandmother, this and this, you know, and it had been a long conversation. <laughs> and so she goes, well, how do you know that? How do you, you know, she just kind of started, started panicking. And I said, oh, I, sorry, I, it, you know, I'm new at this and I didn't mean to say those things, you know, uh, so, but she said, can you help me? And I said, sure. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I don't know. I'm new at this. And I worked on her for about five minutes and I thought, well, you know, and I, I was feeling like I needed to start, you know, if I was going to do this for a living, you know, it was, there was going to have to be a charge involved. And so, um, I did my first session with her and it was five minutes long. And I thought, I don't think this is really enough to do anything on anyone. I worked on two of her chakras and just kind of readjusted the size and recalibrated them. And um, I thought, well, okay. And I was told to stop. They said, stop working. That's all she can take. Do not do anymore. I said, okay. So I talked to her about two weeks later and she said, oh my gosh. And she was a very intense person. And she goes, I felt like I was on Percocet for like, two weeks. She said, <laughs> I was so relaxed. And she goes, and I started being able to tell people no, because she was one of those people that overextended, you know, mm -hmm. said yes all the time, regardless of the, the kind of uh, how it felt to her, you know, she was constantly depleting herself. And about a week after um, she had the session, her mother called her and said, would you like to come to the beach house with uh, the kids? And she told me she's never done that before. She's never done that before. So, so it was really fascinating to see just that five minutes of work, what 
profound effect it had in her life. And she still talks about it when I see her, she goes, oh, the hole, she calls it the hole. <laughs> she goes, you worked on the hole and now I have all these things in my life that are working that weren't. And I'm like, oh, well, great, you know? And so, you know, you never really know what kind of effects energy work's gonna have on people. But after that first session, I was kind of convinced that, okay, there's something here. And so was that difficult for you to then start charging people? When did that come about? Um, well, I, I charged her the first time. Um, and that was, it, it definitely takes getting through, um, like some of the thought processes of, you know, being spiritual and, and all of that, because there's this, I think, misnomer and disconnect between, you know, char charging for your gifts and, and the fact that you should just be giving it things away, you know, yeah. but in, in my mind, it's very much an energetic exchange. It's an exchange of energy. Money is energy, your time and, you know, the, the healing uh, effects that you have is energy. So it's an energy exchange. And the more developed you are, you know, the more of an energy exchange is kind of, you know, needed in order to have that balance. Sure. Amanda, you grew up in church, but you said you always felt like a misfit. Tell us about that experience and, and how it's affected your life. Oh, goodness. That's a really good question. Um, yes, I was. I grew up in church. I grew up Southern Baptist. And um, it was hard for me because I always asked questions that they couldn't answer. Um, I was like, well, how how were dinosaurs and man not alive at the same time if god created the world in seven days like that doesn't make any sense to me and they would just glaze over and be like well it's just the way it is and you know and, and they, yeah. but I, you know i'm like 10 years old and i'm asking these questions and they they don't know what to say you know um so that kind of stuff went on and then i just felt like i don't know why it just i i didn't fit but i started having I think the first dream I had, I was probably seven years old. I had premonition uh, dreams and um, that was a, a plane crash. I, I saw the flight number and um, some of the people on board before um, before the crash took place. And it was a lot for a seven year old to to bear because, you know, you think, oh, it's it's my fault somehow. Um, and I had a couple more of those, but when I was 13, I had a dream about a Loma Prieta earthquake in uh, 1989. And, um, it was, that was the toughest one, uh, because I was home by myself when the earthquake hit and I started seeing visions that I had seen in my dream of the bridge collapse and the stadium and different things like that. And so I said, this is a curse. I don't, I don't want this. I don't know what it is, but this is awful. And it was very scary. And I felt responsible for, for these people. And I said, you know, I don't want this, whatever it is. And um, then I talked to at church about it. And I said, well, this, you know, this happened. And, you know, the, and some people didn't believe me and others said, well, you know, you're going to hell if you say you're a prophet, like, that's just how it is. And so I was like, well, I'm, I'm like 12, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I didn't ask to dream this, you know, this is just something that happened. And so it was a, it was a very confusing time for me because I had no one that had this knowledge or had this um, take on, on life and, and their reality, you know, this reality. Um, so when I had my awakening, you know, I had kind of, I had abandoned the church in my teens and um, 
I didn't realize though that all of these fundamental thought processes and these fundamental um, ways of, of really looking at the world were based in, in church. They were based in what I was taught from the time I was like three years old. And what started to happen with my awakening was that a lot of that stuff kind of was getting disproven to me through the visions I was having through the information that I was receiving from angels and guides and things like that. So it was, it was quite the deconstruction of me, uh, and my belief system and who are you, you know, kind of thing. So there was a lot of existential pieces to that, um, being raised in the church and then, and then going back to that and realizing that really that was at the core of how I looked at life and, um, deconstructing that was, was very difficult, but it was also very freeing. Amanda, you are very connected to nature, even as a child, right? Tell us about that connection. Um, I always had a connection to nature. I've always felt very, very connected. Um, my mom actually has a picture of me when I was a baby and we had three animals. We had two dogs and a cat and I was in a typical, like a, a bassinet, you know, like an old style bassinet. And the cat is sitting on top of it, you know, cause it had this piece that goes, the, top. the cat's sitting on top of it and there's a dog on each side and they're all looking in at me, you know, when I'm like a few months old. And, um, and so animals have always been very attracted to me. I've always felt very connected to nature. Um, the closest I would feel to God or spirit or, or whatever you want to call that is when I was outside. When I was running barefoot in the grass, climbing trees, um, I raised several animal, different kinds of animals when I was little. I had um, possums, a raccoon, um, birds that fell out of nests. You know, I would do research and figure out how to feed them, you know. And so I, I actually wanted to be a veterinarian when I was a child. I was I was very much um, into that and very passionate about um, animals and and uh, caring for them, because I feel like animals have a very pure heart. There's no uh, hidden agenda in an animal's consciousness, which was nice because a lot of people around me, I felt like did have that, you know, and, and there was a lot of trauma that I experienced in my childhood that was tempered by animals and was tempered by that relationship that I had with them. It felt very pure and very comforting. So Amanda, now do you do a lot of your healing over the internet, over Zoom remotely? I do. I do most things over. Um, I do some over Zoom. I do some over just over the phone. Um, I do. Yeah. Distance healing is is primarily what I do now. Every now and then I have somebody that says, I really want to come in person. I talked to someone yesterday that said, I'm I'm flying here. And I said, well, we can do this over the phone. She goes, no, no. She goes, I'm coming. She's like, I'm using my freaking flyer miles. I'm coming. I said, OK, if you want to, you can. I said, but, you know, we could do this over the phone. And she was just convinced that in person would be better and i was like well it's really pretty much the same because energy yeah. is boundless energy is something that extends over extends over oceans it transcends everything you know i work with people in africa and poland and you know all over the place so yeah i do i do most things by distance at this point yeah and i do too i find the exact same thing with the hypnosis work that i do i i just as a matter of fact to be honest amanda sometimes i find it works better because my clients are comfortable in their own place do you yes. find that yes i find that to be true and also when i'm dealing with very strong energy because i'm so sensitive 
Um, especially if it involves like clearing um, negative energy from a home or, you know, I deal with entities and ghosts and things like that. And being in that space with that energy is really overwhelming. It's kind of like having a megaphone in your face screaming at you. So if I have some distance from that and I can, I can feel more objective in my energy as a totally subjected in the space, it's a lot easier for me to, to work with very heavy, dense energies in that way. But yeah, and I think people are more comfortable in their own home. You know, it's, it's a safe haven for them. And so they can relax a little bit more. That's very true. Yeah. For those of uh, listeners that, that are just kind of wondering, okay, so, so what, what does this really mean? What is uh, emotional freedom? What are emotional freedom methods? Could you clear us up on that? Of course. So in the book, I talk about um, emotions and I talk about how they're related to um, your energy system and how they're related to your physical health. It's kind of like I call it the middle of the sandwich. You know, there's a body, mind, spirit uh, kind of thing. And really everything starts with energy. Um but we don't walk around saying, oh, my chakra is heavy. Oh, my aura is, is off, off center. You know, I mean, we, we don't talk like that, right? Uh, most no. people don't. Um, but we do say, I'm, you know, I have anxiety. I'm depressed. I'm, I'm anxious. I, I'm sick. You know, we, we say those types of things. And so one of the things I've found with people is that you know, it's such a, it's such a common habit to say, I am blank, you know, whatever it is. But when we do that, what we're doing is we're identifying the emotion as our identity. And that while it doesn't seem like a big deal, it really is because when you go to start releasing that emotion, your subconscious and your energy system says, well, I can't release who I am from myself. That doesn't make any sense. And we have our identity tied up in this, in this emotion or this, you know, this illness, that kind of thing. So it makes it hard for people to move past that. But what I tell people is the beginning of emotional freedom really is understanding that emotions are separate from who you are as a person. You are not your emotions. Your emotions are an experience that you're having. So what I encourage people to to start doing is just tweak what they're saying just a little bit and say, I am experiencing depression. I am experiencing anxiety. I'm experiencing illness. So you're shifting that from your identity to something that is supposed to pass by. It's supposed to pass through. You're, it's a step on your journey. It's not your identity, who you are as a person. So that's step one. And then understanding that emotions can be released. They're not meant to be held on to long-term, you know, um, Anger is something that's supposed to move through you. You have it as an experience because you're human, you know? Um, depression, sadness, anxiety, those are, those are experiences in the moment. They're not meant to be held on to. So the book is really about helping people understand that they have the power to move through those spaces. They have the power to move through those emotions. And so just a base exercise that I teach people is saying, you know, welcome the emotion up to your awareness, you know, don't try to hide it. Don't try to push it down and say, yeah, I, I, I am depressed. Yes, I'm angry. Yes, I, I feel this. And then after you have it kind of in your hands at the surface, say, I choose to release this and anything that it is attached to, because that emotion is not a free floating, 
thing, that emotion is connected to your traumas. It's connected to other emotions. It's connected to experiences. And so when you say, and whatever it's attached to, and you pull that up and you choose to release that, you're releasing some of those deeper pieces at the same time without having to necessarily dig super deep consciously. It's just happening over time. So the more you do that exercise, and the more you, you know, envision that floating up and out of your body and out of your space, it's digging a little bit deeper. And then there's also methods in the book to take you deeper and take you kind of down these rabbit holes. If you if you have the time and interest to dig deeper into really the root of why you're feeling what you're feeling. Amanda, I'm just curious about uh, when did you get the message that you needed to write this book? You've really poured yourself into it. That's obvious. Tell us the story of how the book came to be. Well, I actually started writing it in 2016. And the way it started was I, I knew I was going to write a book, but I wasn't sure what it was going to be. And I started with client stories. And I wrote, uh, I wrote out 35 client stories that were um, the most profound um, client uh, sessions that I had with people. And there's, there's a few of those in the book, but I was really struggling with, well, what do I put with that to make something actionable for somebody? You know, how do I translate someone else's experience into an audience's experience so that they can say, I relate to that, you know, and, and, and take action. And I, I was sitting there one night, actually kind of struggling with, with this whole thought process. And I was trying to put pieces together and I came across this, um, ad on Facebook, you know, how Facebook can read your mind, uh, seemingly. And, <laughs> yes. uh, it was this, it was this little quiz on, you know, what kind of speaker are you? And I was like, it was like an elephant, a chameleon and something else, like a rhinoceros or something. I, I don't remember exactly. So I was like, okay, I'll take the quiz. You know, I don't do those normally, but something guided me to do that. So I took the little quiz and then I was guided to this page where uh, this guy had this program for writing how-to books. And <clears throat> I was going through and I accidentally clicked on the buy now link. I don't know how I did it, but it just was like the universe. God was like, okay, you're buying this. I thought, oh no, I'm going to have to write the guy and get, cause it was, it was, you know, well worth the price, but it wasn't something that I was thinking I was going to spend at the time. And um, I thought, oh no, oh no, you know, what did I do? And I thought, I, you know, I'm just, I, what I was guided to do, just keep it. No, it was the right thing to do. And so I got this program and I went through the program and everything clicked. And I said, okay, now I know the structure of putting things together. And uh, so I, so I did that. I started going through the structure. I started understanding kind of how deep I needed to go. And that was the biggest challenge when I was writing the book, because when you're writing a book, you tend to want to put everything into it, everything, you know, yes. and that's definitely not the right way to go about it because you're fire hosing somebody. You, you have to have a logical sequence and you have to really come back to the point of the book, which was for me, emotions, you know, I didn't want to go too deep into energy work. I didn't want to go too deep into the energy system because a lot of people aren't familiar with it, or there may be, you know, are holding it in a different way. So I want to give, to give people actionable things that they could do that kind of give them a toe dip into that world without going 
too deep. So, so going back and sticking with the emotions and really sticking with, um, releasing emotions and, and creating this actionable sequence was, was the focus, but it was also the challenge of writing it. Was it difficult to decide what the cover would look like? It's, yes. it's incredible because you are so vibrant on the cover. You, you have this incredible smile and, and it just like, it's, it just pulls the, the reader toward the book, I think, but tell us about the, the cover and how this came about. Um, that's kind of a funny story because, um, I originally had this cover, of, of somebody, not me on, on the cover. And she's kind of looks like she's like, excited, like she's, whoo, you know, she's has freedom and stuff, but you couldn't really see her face. She was dancing and, and I went to, I was talking to a branding person and, uh, the, the woman was like, well, who's your audience? And I'm like, well, you know, and she goes, it's people around your age, you know, and I had a lot of younger clients too, but she goes, she goes, this isn't, this isn't speaking to me. This is not going to work. And I went through two or three different cover thought processes. Like uh, usually women, like, you know, having a good time kind of thing, but, you know, looking like they had emotional freedom and person after person told me, they're like, you have to be on the cover. And I was like, no, 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 no. I don't want to be on the cover. I don't want to be on the cover. And um, <clears throat> then I just came to a point where I thought, you know, I was being guided. Yes, you need to be on the cover. And I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. I, you know, I'm not sure. And I did a photo shoot last March um, and I, I thought, well, you know, I was running out of ideas. So I went through the photo shoot and I was like, okay, what picture is gonna, gonna work for the cover? What speaks to that? And when I was going through, I thought, when I know it, I'll see it. If it's in here, I know. And there was probably 350 pictures in that photo shoot that came out. And when I saw that one, I went, ah, that's it. Cause just the, the, the framing was correct, the structure, you know, and, and all of that. So that's how it came about. It was kind of by accident. It wasn't like I went planning to shoot the cover. Um, you know, it, if I had it to do over again, I, I don't think I would have done it any differently, but, um, but it was, it was an interesting process for me to kind of own the, the work that I was putting out there because the work that I do is highly channeled. A lot of it is, it's just coming through me. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, it's like, yes, I, my name's on the book. You know, I wrote the words down, but a lot of it really came, it came from source, you know, it, it came from a place yeah. that's not me. So, so that, that was the struggle in translation for me to, to put my name on it and to put myself out there in, you know, kind of attached to that work because I feel like it's, it's so divinely guided. Yeah. I hear you. I, and I know a lot of branding people say, don't put your picture on your book unless you're famous. You know, I've heard that many times right. and, and, and yet this book, it just, it just looks like your picture belongs on it for some reason, you know, Thank I, you. That, I, appreciate, I appreciate that. That really means a lot to me. Cause I, I was like, well, this is what I'm going with, but everybody that's seen this, Oh, it's so great. I'm like, okay, good. I'm glad you, you know, you like it. So, so yeah. that's sweet. I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. Well, I really, I really like the book because there's so much practical material in this book. I mean, it's just packed with practical ways to to help you in your life. It doesn't matter who you are. This one, I just want to share it. It's about uh, breathing in blue. 
And, you know, there's so many of us have anger and we have anxiety and, and it says you can use the, you can use color and there's a lot in here about color. You can use color to calm anger in the moment as well as use it to release anger on a deeper level. And in only a few words, you've gone ahead and told us how to do that. Just a few words. Number one, envision a cloud of calm blue in front of you. Number two, take a deep breath in breathing in the blue cloud of energy and number three repeat this as many times as you need to and i love your description this works like pouring water on fire it'll calm the anger down more quickly than just taking breaths without envisioning the color blue by simply breathing in it into your energy system the color blue goes to where it's needed and squelches the energetic inflammation that is going on and that's only one tiny example thank you so much for sharing so much with a reader it's awesome amanda well thank you for having me and i i really enjoyed writing the book it, it was definitely um a, an amazing journey I want to ask you a question about bullying because I've worked in bullying prevention for a long time and, and I know a lot of intuitives and healers go through tough times sometimes in life with being bullied. Have you ever been bullied? Do you have a story you can share with us where mindfulness would have made a difference? Um, you know, for me personally, I wasn't usually the the brunt of being bullied. It was more feeling like I was left out and I was the outsider a lot of times. So, mm -hmm. so for me, it would, I, I think having developed a better sense of self when I was younger, if I had some kind of support to help me with that would have been really wonderful. Um, but my son, my youngest son um, was, He's, he's quite the character. He's 19 years old now. Um, but when he was in, I think, I want to say first grade, it might have been second grade, there was a girl that was picking on him. Mm -hmm. And he was really angry about it. And he said, I tell the teacher and she won't listen because she's a girl and I'm a boy. And, you know, it was this whole dynamic that the teacher was just not understanding what was going on. And I said, well, Brendan, he goes, I've tried, I've tried to talk to her and she won't listen. And so he started being mean back to this girl and then he was getting in trouble. And I said, okay, here's what you need to think about. I said, there's the reason that she's acting like that towards you. This is not about you. It's about what she's going through in her life. It's about her misery. I said, what she's feeling inside is so much harder for her than what she's giving to you. I said, so you need to think about that when she's mean to you think, you know, she must be really going through something. And that was the first semester when that was going on. And then it kind of, it kind of petered out. It was, you know, it was something that, you know, she, she decided to focus on somebody else or something. And uh, he said that he got to where he could talk to her and he goes, mom, I found out that her parents were getting divorced. And she was really, really angry because her mom was living with somebody else and, and she missed her dad. And I said, yeah, I said, it's, he goes, oh, I understand now, you know, and it was a way for him to, to frame that. Um, and he had some other instances where he was having difficulty with that. And I said, okay, I said, you need to, um, you need to approach the teacher or the principal or or someone a different way other than just pointing the finger and saying they're being mean to me i said 
try talking to the person first, telling them you don't like it, talk to your teacher. I said, and then if you want to go to the principal, if that's something you want to do, then do that. I said, but you go in and you say, can you please give me some advice on how to handle this person treating me this way? Because I've tried talking to them. I've tried being their friend. I've tried, you know, all the, I said, then list all the things that you've tried list things and say, I need some advice. I need some help on how to deal with this. And he did that. There was probably two or three instances as he was going through school that this happened. And every time he used that approach with administration, it was handled immediately because he was showing proactiveness. He was showing action that he was taking and and trying to solve the problem himself rather than just going and pointing a finger. And, And that's just, you know, one example of of something that I know worked for him that could work for other children. It just depends on the personality. My son is, my younger son's very outspoken. <laughs> so, so that was, that was part of, part of a, what, what worked for him with that. But that's definitely um, a method that, that we found effective as, as both of my boys were going through school. Well, that's, that's excellent. That's just excellent for our listeners to hear this because I agree 100% in taking that approach. That is just great. As we move forward in the interview, Amanda, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So the first one is this, uh, who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? Oh, goodness. Um, you know, I, mindfulness wise, I don't know. The person that I always go to uh, just for kind of all the inspiration um, is uh, Sarah Blakely. And you wouldn't necessarily think of her as a, a mindfulness person, but I feel like she is so centered and grounded and doesn't take life too seriously, but is also powerhouse and such an amazing mom. I mean, you can tell by just the way she interacts with her kids, you know, through in social media and things like that. She just, she's just a very, a powerful person, very grounded and centered. So I always kind of look to her for inspiration when I'm doing anything. Well, your book is all about emotions. My next question is about emotions. So for yourself, how would you say you have changed the way you deal with your emotions over your life? Well, I think I used to feel that I was very much a victim of my emotions. Uh, it was very much, uh, I carried it very much like my identity. You know, I am depressed, I am, I, I'm anxious, that kind of thing. And now when I'm experiencing an emotion, I actually am grateful for it because I said, well, this shows me that I'm, I'm having, you know, it's linked to something deeper. And so I will actually go into my emotional state and, and, work on an understanding of what that emotion is connected to and then start working on the underlying trauma or the underlying cause of that emotional state. If it, especially if it feels like I'm like, I'm over-exaggerating my reaction to something, you know, is usually like, Oh, I should, that's, that seems like a little bit more of a reaction than I should have to whatever it is that's going on. Then I'll really dive in and say, well, what is this about at the core? Amanda, tell us this, tell us how breathing is part of your your mindfulness practice? Well, breathing is one of those things that's very powerful because it, it, it kind of um, supersedes or interjects itself into, into your body and into your mindset. Because if you're doing intentional breathing, if you're doing a deep breath into your belly and breathing out and you're focusing on that 
for mindfulness, um, you can even focus on like either, like you said, breathing in the color blue or breathing in calm energy, bringing, breathing out the anxious energy, breathing in happy energy, breathing out the depressed energy. It's, it's a very good way to come back to center and come back to focus because it's taking your mind off of all of the other extraneous things that may be distracting you. Amanda, your book, Feel Better in Five Minutes, is absolutely fantastic, and I highly recommend it, Mindful Tribe. Get your hands on this book. Read it. It's going to have a powerful effect on your life. I'm absolutely sure of it. But Amanda, are there any other books that you would suggest to our, to our listeners that could be positive for them? One of the books that I really like for... Taking, taking a deep dive into really understanding where your emotions come from is called The Body Keeps the Score. And it's really focused around trauma, but I find that when people are struggling with mindfulness, when they're struggling with being present, it's because they're very, very unhappy in their life in some way. They're identifying with an emotion, they're in a tough situation, and they're projecting their energy out really far into the future, which spreads them themselves really thin, um, or they're staying in the past, which, which just doesn't allow them to be effective in their life. So I really like that book for understanding how it's related to your physical body and how you can get to the core of those things so that mindfulness is easier for you. Another book I really love, um, is called the surrender experiment by Michael Singer. One of my absolute favorite books, um, he's very much about being objective, being in the moment, being in the flow. If you have not read that book, I mean, that book is such an extraordinary story and you're shaking your head. I'm guessing you're I love it. it. Um, yeah. it is fantastic. You know, it's, it's just sometimes you just you shake your head. You're like, how could that happen to one person? All of those things. But he's, he remains very objective and very much an observer of his journey versus being in the drama of everything that's going on. And, you know, he goes through highs and he goes through lows and he seems to maintain this equilibrium and balance that's really amazing, you know, and he's always going back to mindfulness. So I think it's a really good life example of how you can use mindfulness regardless of what's going on in your life and how crazy it is. I agree. Are there any apps you would recommend? Um, calm, um, and calm.com or calm the app, I think is, is interesting because it's got a lot of different meditations on it. It's got a lot of different ways to approach, um, sleep, anxiety, nervousness, relationships, a lot of different things. So kind of regardless of what you have going on, you can find something on there that may be able to help you, um, get calm, get to a place of mindfulness, groundedness, centeredness. Amanda, as we wrap up the interview, I want to just ask if you could share with us some words of wisdom for anyone listening right now who is feeling some anxiety, some frustration, they're not centered or grounded. What would you say to them? Well, the first thing I always tell people is that um, there's nothing wrong with you as a person, as a being, as a soul, whatever you want to call it, you just, it's like you have a bunch of stuff in it. Like if you were a room, it's just, it's a messy room. You just have to clear the stuff out. There's nothing wrong with the room. Fundamentally, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just that you've got all these layers and layers of, of trauma and frustration and, and emotion in there that needs to be cleared out. Um, and two, that you have an energy system. You know, we, we in the Western world, a lot of times don't recognize that we think it's an Eastern philosophy only, but 
your energy system is just as real as your circulatory system or your nervous system or your digestive system. You know, it's like emotions, you know, you can't see emotions, but they're very, very real. And so your energy system is very real and it's important to keep it healthy. It's important to keep it just as healthy as you, you know, when, when you eat right. And when you exercise, it's, you know, keeping your energy system clean and healthy and balanced is, you know, maybe even more important than those other things. Amanda, thanks so much for being on Mindfulness Mode today and uh, good luck with the release of your book as it gets out to more and more people in the world. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. It really has. Bye now. Bye. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening today to my interview with Amanda Hainline. I hope you enjoyed it. I really always appreciate you with your feedback. Anytime you leave reviews on the show, I appreciate it. And of course, you can always email me, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. So maybe you'd like to jump on a free session. That would be great. In the meantime, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.